Genesis chapter number three just should take you just a few turns of the scripture. Genesis chapter number three, we're going to read several verses this evening and uh, get your thumbs ready. We're going to flip to several pieces of scripture tonight in the message. We're preaching a series on Sunday nights on what does the Bible say about, we've talked about what does the Bible say about Christian liberty, how what, how, you know, the Bible speaks about us having liberty. And then we preached on how we are supposed to allow others to have liberty. And then we preached uh, on what does the Bible say about gambling? What does the Bible say about giving? What does the Bible say about adultery? What does the Bible say about divorce and remarriage? What does the Bible say about purity? Tonight, I want to deal with another unpopular topic. A, a, a topic that is uh, a lot of times misunderstood, a, po a topic that maybe one man said it is a flammable topic in the church. And the topic today is modesty. What does the Bible say about modesty? So let's find our place in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6. I invite you to stand with me as we read the Word of God. I thought if we're going to start talking about clothes... We ought to start where God starts with. And so let's look what he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for, her, for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he asked, this is God asking, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Would you scan down to verse number 21? The Bible says in verse 21, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Would you help us pray and you can be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for the time together in the house of God. Thank you for the day we've had today. Thank you for as we are, as uh, this, this time we're closing out a day and coming to the end of this Lord's Day. It's been a good day. It's been a good day to be around your people and hear the Word of God taught to us and preached and uh, songs sang about you. That's been wonderful. And fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ has been sweet. It's been sweet. 
And Father, we pray you'd help me as I try to preach the Word of God. Help me, Lord, say everything I need to say and guard me from saying anything I don't need to say. Help me speak with the right spirit. But then I pray that we would all hear with the right spirit. And Father, I pray, God, that you would work in our hearts and our lives and to change us for time and eternity's sake. And even though I'm preaching a message on the topic of modesty, God, you could be dealing with someone's heart about salvation. God, I pray if there's someone here lost without you need to be saved. I pray today will be a day of salvation for them. I pray, God, you'd get glory out of everything said and done the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. Now, I realize the risk that I'm taking tonight in preaching on such a topic. Now, those of you that know and been around here a long time know I am not necessarily a topical preacher, but Dealing with these uncomfortable things on these Sunday nights or these, uh, these things that are unpopular has made, drive, driven me, at least in these moments, to talk about. And it's very dangerous to preach a topical message because if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you could take verses out of context and twist them up, make them say anything you want them to say. I will promise you, I'm not, I don't want to do that at all. And I promise you, I promise you with this, that if you find where I've done that with any verse of Scripture, please come to me and I promise promise you I'll hear you out and we can discuss it and if I indeed have twisted any scripture to make it say something it doesn't say I will publicly apologize to the church. I am not above reproof or rebuke when it comes to those things okay and so tonight as we look at scripture I do not want to say anything the scripture does not say. As I've said before in other things that we've dealt with, again, I said it with the divorce and remarriage thing. I said it with the purity message that, that you may take a more loose stand than the Bible does about this. And you may take a, a, a more tight stand than the Bible does this, but you'll never take a better stand than the Bible takes about the issue of modesty. I want to look here. Now, I know I understand the risk I'm taking in offending or upsetting people, and I do not want to do that. I, I, if the word of God offends you, that's it. But my personality and the way I approach this, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to offend you with that. If I offend you with the word of God, that's not on me. That's on the word of God and on you, how you receive it. But I will say this, this is a subject that is not dealt with most, by most, most of the time by most preachers. And here's the real reason. They don't want to lose people. Now, there are a friends in the preaching world and they're crazy, I think, uh, they, they like offending people. You know, there's a fringe in the preacher world that they, they thrive on upsetting people. But a real man of God, a real preacher, does not want to just offend people to be offending people, right? And so, so a lot of times this topic is avoided because uh, it's because of, of afraid of losing people and offending people and the, being afraid of what people might say you said. Now, I'll say this. The most common thing that I hear said when, when preaching on modesty is this. That preacher said, if I wear pants, I'm going to hell. Now, if you go out here saying that, you are a liar. Okay? You are. And if I hear about you saying, I'm going to call you up. And Matthew 18, this thing. You know what Matthew 18 is? I come to you and say, hey, you lied. Amen. Because you're not going to hear that come out of this pulpit. As a matter of fact, most of the time that's not what you I'm not saying it ain't never happened. I'm just saying. And afraid about that. And, and you know what? Most preachers want to be liked. Most, most people, most people want to be liked by people. And I say this, it's a sad testament to the pulpit and the pew that we live 
in an hour where people can get upset and leave the church over the smallest little thing they don't like. It really is. And so, I'll say this, I've been here over a decade. In July, I was 10 years. Uh, and I, I just calculated up before I came over here this afternoon that in 10 years, if I preached three times a week, and you know I don't always do that. We have other preachers that come in here. But I have preached over 1,500 messages in this place. All right? And as far as I know, this is only the second one that I'm preaching fully on this subject. You say, when was the first time working through the book of 1 Timothy? And we, when we came to those verses, I dealt with it then. And so here we are. And said, so maybe that's a sad testament to me. Maybe we should deal with it more. I will say this. I believe this is true. A preacher that preaches on this subject all the time is a lazy Bible student or maybe a pervert. One of the two. And a preacher that never preaches on it is a hireling. And so I want to be balanced. Now, why is modesty such a personal topic that we take personal? Is because here's the thing. When we get any kind of attention to our clothing, good or bad, we take it personally, right? Now, you can be all whatever you want to be, but somebody told me they like my tie this morning. And that made me feel good. I don't even remember who told me that. I don't remember who told me that, but I'm telling you what, I've been riding on that all day. That's a sharp-looking tie. I mean, I looked in my, I got dressed tonight, looked in the mirror and said, man, that is a good-looking tie. That looks good, Right? And so I, I, we thrive on that kind of stuff. I had somebody tell me, and I took it as offensive and, and nice. So they was at the Macedonia Missions meeting, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I saw somebody that's really, really, always been a really close friend. I guess close friends can just say what they want to and don't care if they hurt your feelings. And they walked up to me, and he goes, well, you can tell the soup man goes to your church now. I said, what's that supposed to mean? He said, well, you're dressing better now. <laughs> I was like, well, just so you know, this ain't even from him. And so... <laughs> And, uh, but you know what? You like when people compliment your clothes. Well, watch it. If somebody says something negative about your clothes, we'd take that personal, don't we? The other day, I had on a, a vest, and I love vests. I like wearing vests. I had on a vest, and I asked my wife, I said, hey, does this, this, this look right together? And I should have known. I mean, there's barely a little bitty lamp glowing in the bedroom and maybe a little nightlight. She can't see, and she's rushing to get ready and stuff. She's like, yeah, it looks great, you know? I should have known she didn't really look at it. I got to class, and I got to Bible class, and I got started starting the day off, and one of them teenage girls, loud-mouthed, rebellious girl, and uh, yeah, that don't match. I thought, well, I thought it looked right. And you know what? So I took the vest off. I thought, well, I ain't going to stink and go all day not matching and not be able to teach my lesson today not matching, right? We take it personally, don't we? I, I had a shirt I really loved one time. It was, I thought it was cool. It was awesome, I thought, but it had all kinds of different colors on it, and it was a button-up shirt, and I mean, it was just, I thought it was cool, striped and bought my, and I wore it one time to a youth camp, and everybody made fun of me about my rainbow shirt. <laughs> Guess what I did? I threw the thing away. I thought, man, I, I, we, we take compliments or even insults about our clothes. We take that pretty, pretty serious. We just take it personally. Again, we take those compliments and criticisms to heart about our clothing. Here's why. Because what we wear is an external display of who we are or who we want people to think we are on the inside. Is that right? We, our clothing represents who we are. I've told you the story here before about me going to a dentist one time in Chattanooga. 
And as I, I had a, I had an awful pain. End up, end up eventually having to have a root canal and all that stuff. I was having this awful pain. And I remember sitting down in that dentist chair, and I look up, and this guy walks in with these like joggers on. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like with little skinny jean jogger things on, with like van tennis shoes on, and a man bun. And I look up, and I said, "Who are you?" And he said, "Well, I'm Doctor So and So." I said, uh, "No, you ain't my doctor." And I, he said, well, yes, sir, I'm a dentist. I said, you need to go get somebody with a white coat on. I said, I, I need to see somebody that looks scarier than you, dude. I was like, you don't look like a dentist, man. I was like, can I, get, can I trade? And, and, I, I mean, and I wasn't trying to be offensive. He just didn't look like a dentist to me. He, he, just, he looked like some hipster dude or something. And, and our clothes, our clothes our external display of who, again, who we are or who we want people to think we are on the inside. And so tonight, I want to talk about what does the Bible say about our clothing. Uh, my desire tonight is to preach biblically, uh, to think biblically, uh, uh, to think about this, in a, uh, this, this issue because you, we, we can be benefited by knowing what the Bible says. We can grow from what the Bible says. And here's the thing, we all could use a little better personal holiness in our life. Is that right? And so here's the common question asked about this. Y'all ready? Here's the question. Does God really care about what I wear? Does God really care? Because doesn't God look on the inside? Well, sure he does, but he's not blind to the outside. So I'm going to answer, answer that question. Does God really care what I wear? I'm going to answer that with another question. Y'all ready? Here's the question I'll have to answer that. Does God say anything about what we wear in the Bible? Well, the answer to that question is yes. Yes, he does have something to say in the Bible about what we wear. So I believe if the answer to that question is yes, he says something about it, then the answer to the, the other question, does he care, the answer will be yes, he does. But here's why. Because God only puts in his word issues that he cares about. He's not putting filler words in here, right? Aren't you glad for some standards in your life? Aren't you glad for some boundaries in your life? Everybody, anybody ever been to the zoo? Raise your hand if you've been to the zoo. Y'all been to the zoo? How many of y'all have been to the aquarium? Bet y'all was glad they were some boundaries there, wasn't you? Right? Right? The reason you enjoy going to the zoo and the aquarium is because the boundaries that are there, right? Now, y'all are tough dudes right here on the front row. But I don't think y'all want to go to the zoo if the lions were not in a cage, right? I don't think y'all want to go to the aquarium if them big sharks wasn't in the, in the, behind that big old thick glass, right? I mean, I was checking that thing out. We went over there. Uh, I don't remember how long ago. My, you know, my days turn into months, turn into years. But that last time we went, and I was checking. I wonder how thick that glass is. I mean, there's some big creatures under there. I mean, I don't want them things coming at me, right? I was glad there were some boundaries in my life. I'm glad there's some boundaries in my life in other areas. But here's the thing. God's only putting in his word issues that he cares about. And there's no filler verses in the Bible. Now, there are two passages in the New Testament we're going to deal with here, and we're going to them in just a little bit. There are two passages in the New Testament that deal with the way women dress. Now, if you don't like that, you've got to take it up with God because he wrote it. 
but deals with, with, with women dress. But I don't want to just talk about what women dress because the Bible in the Old Testament deals a lot with just dress in general. So that's what I want to deal with. And we're going to get to those New Testament verses in just a minute. Now, let's get back to Genesis 3. In Genesis chapter 3, the verses we've read tonight, we have the account of God, can I say it like this, changing Adam and Eve's clothes. That's what he's doing. He's changing their clothes. Why? Because he cared about what they wore. He cared about what they wore. Now, let's talk about Adam and Eve just for a moment. What's happening? Now, 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 let's don't miss the big picture here. The big typology that's happening here is, the big typology is, they thought they could save themselves by putting on aprons. And God says, that ain't enough. And he kills an animal, takes the skin, and by the blood... He saves them. Hallelujah, glory to God. Amen. That's typology. But we got to look at what literally happens in the Bible. Y'all ready? All right, so I'm, I'm going to take my jacket off. I don't want to offend nobody. I'm going to take my jacket off, all right? I got some props. I don't ever do this kind of stuff, but I got some props. I had to go find an apron in the fellowship hall because I was not wearing a pink apron. And my wife only has pink ones, all right? She's got a pink camo, and that was kind of cool, but I ain't wearing pink, okay? You other dudes can do it, but I ain't doing it, all right? All right, so I bought so so an apron. Here's what they did. They 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 sewed some fig leaves together, and they made an apron. And here's what an apron covers. You just look up definition of apron. Apron covers the loins to the thigh. An apron covers the loin. And so I looked up. What what's a loin? I know what a tenderloin is. Hallelujah. Hey man, I know what a pork loin is. Deer tenderloin. Hey man. Here's what loin is. Loins is the small of your back right here. The small of your back and all the way around. It's what we call it, the waist. Boys, that's where your waist is, not down here. You know, waist down here. The waist is up here. Small of your back and around. That's your loin. And then your thighs all the way down here. And an apron covers that. Now, now as far as we understand, now this apron is just covering the front of my loins and my thighs. But as far as we understand, this apron that they sewed would have covered all of it. And they covered it. Here's why they covered it. You see your Bible. What did they cover it? What were they trying to cover? Look at the word. It says in verse, um, let me find my place here. It, it says, uh, verse 7, they knew they were naked and so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And verse 10 says, and, and Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Watch this. He has his apron on and he still feels like I'm not covered enough. He says, I, I was naked. I, I already had, he already has his fig leaves on in, in verse 7. And when God comes looking for him, he says, well, I was naked, so I hid in the bushes. So all he's got on is an apron. He realizes that there is some, 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 something more that needs to be covered. So here's what happens. He, he, has, he has aprons on. Verse 21 of our text. Bible says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Now I know we skipped some verses there, but you can go back and read it real quick. It wouldn't take you long. It never says God took the apron off. It never said God said, Get rid of that apron. He doesn't. But he puts a coat on. You know what a coat is? A coat literally is a shirt. That's what it is. A garment. As an apron covers the loin to the thigh, a coat covers the torso. 
And I, I'm kind of exaggerating my coat here and putting on my Inspector Gadget coat. Coat, you know, smart aleck girls. Um, but <laughs> a coat. Here's what a coat covers. A, court, a, co a coat <laughs> covers the torso. So I had to look that up too because, I mean, I'm not a biology guy. I teach math on purpose. I teach Bible and math, okay? Don't ask me to teach science, all right? Here's what the torso is. is your whole upper body except your arms and your neck and your head. So here's, here, here's you got this. You got from your shoulders to your loins, that's what your coat's supposed to cover. And then from your loins to your thighs, over your thighs, is what the apron's supposed to cover. Right? That's what we see in the first pair of clothes. So we have a principle established by God himself that the first piece of clothing, I could say it like this, covers from the neck to knee. It covers that torso and the loins and the thighs. Okay? So there's the first mention of clothes. Here, here's again, we've got this apron. And we've got this coat on. And God dressed this man. And watch this. God dressed the man, Adam, more modestly than the man dressed himself. But the man, even dressed halfway modest, knew he wasn't covered all the way. He just didn't know what to do. He hid himself, right? So I want to ask us a question before we get in deep into this thing tonight. How would God dress us if he picked out our clothes? How would God dress us tonight if he was the one pick, picking out our clothes from our closet? I think that we can look at some insight to this first mention of clothing and we can get an idea. But I want to think a couple things, a real bit, so think biblically about a couple things, about four things about this topic, and then we'll be done. Number one, what are the purposes of clothes? I'm going to take this jacket off because I am not going to preach in this overcoat because that's too hot. But what are the purposes of clothes? Well, I think the first purpose is to cover nakedness. Would you all agree with that? The obvious point to cover nakedness is not so obvious in our generation, is it? And let me just blow this out. It didn't start in our generation, by the way. Hello? I've seen pictures from 50 years ago. Yeah, man. And, uh, and I know the church has dropped their standard, but the world's standard's always been nakedness. And it don't seem that obvious anymore even in the church. Nakedness is no big deal today. Most people don't think nothing about it. Matter of fact, what God defines as nakedness, the world and many church people don't see nothing wrong with it. And so we're going to look at that today. Now, here's the thing. I want you to understand. When you uncover your nakedness to unauthorized people, who is unauthorized people? It ain't your spouse. <laughs> If it ain't your spouse, it's you're unauthorized. Ought to put a big sign. Ah, unauthorized entry. Right? If you expose yourself to unauthorized people, that is a sin against God. And here's the thing, and I'm, I'm not going to go to all these verses tonight, but you can look in Micah chapter 1, Nahum chapter 3, Jeremiah chapter 13, and Revelation chapter 3, and the association with nakedness is always shame in the Bible. Yet, we live in a day where there is no shame tied to it at all. Matter of fact, if somebody says something about it, they get bowed up and mad about it. So, here's, let's take our Bibles to Exodus chapter 28. In Genesis chapter 3, I think I'm safe to say it like this, 
God clothed the entire population. <laughs> Is that right? Adam and Eve's the only one we know of anyway, right? And so God closed the world in Genesis chapter 3, Exodus chapter 28. He's got another specific people he's going to clothe. Now I want you to understand this. Exodus chapter 28, I do not believe, I'm not, you don't go over here, you don't have to say, that we've got to dress in the style that these people dressed in. Here's what I mean. You ain't got to wear a big old robe, right, and have all the, the garments like these priests had on. So that's not what I'm looking at tonight is the style that they wore. But there's a principle God gives. God is dressing the priests in a specific holy garment for their special holy work. Look in verse 42, Exodus 28 and 42. It says this, And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. So if we're going to talk about covering nakedness, we need to define what nakedness is. And God says here, I'm giving a special garment, he called them breeches, uh, uh, to be worn to cover up their nakedness. God said that nakedness was from the loin even unto the thigh. So that's what God says. God says that if those things are uncovered, then you are considered naked. That's, that's what the, he says. It, he's defining it. So what God considers nakedness is that loin or the thigh being exposed. Take your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 47. Isaiah chapter 47. Isaiah 47, verse 2 and 3. Now, this is a, um, there's a lot of other stuff going on here, just like in Exodus 28. But there is something, a principle here that we need to make sure we, we see. Verse 40, chapter 47 of Isaiah, verse 2 and 3 says this, Take the millstones, grind meal, uncover thy locks, make bare thy, the leg, Uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers, thy nakedness shall be uncovered. He's talking about judgment coming. Then it says, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will not meet thee as a man. He said this, when your legs and thighs are uncovered, that's nakedness and that is shameful. That's judgment, God's saying. It's judgment that's coming. Now here's the thing. We find in Isaiah and in, the, and in Exodus that the, the loin to the thigh is to be covered. We find in Genesis chapter 3 that the torso is to be covered. And so we find here that God is saying you must use clothing. Clothing is a purpose of clothing is to cover nakedness. Number two, what's the purpose of, of, of clothing? Y'all ready? To identify gender distinction. We need to talk about that tonight, don't we? It's a shame we have to, but we need to. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5, if you will. Now, I am not about to get up in an argument with you about Deuteronomy 22, 5. We are going to read for what it says, and you're either going to believe the Bible or not, okay? Deuteronomy 22, 5. The Bible says, the woman, chapter 22, verse number 5, the woman, shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man 
put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now, right off the bat, there's immediate objections to this verse. Here it is. Well, that's Old Testament law, and that's not for us, okay? And then somebody says, well, what dictates male garments and female garments? Is it culture? I mean, didn't everybody wear robes back then? Okay, great, wonderful, 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 wonderful. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm not here to fuss about that. Matter of fact, I don't have the answer to all those questions. But here's what I do know. There's a difference in men's clothes and women's clothes. Amen. Amen. There's a difference. Hey, listen, the department stores know that. You go into Wally World. And there's a men's clothing section and a women's clothing section. And if there is a man that wants to cross-dress and dress like a woman, he goes to the woman's side to get his clothes. And there were women who want to dress like men go to the men's side to get their clothes. Is that not right? Okay, maybe I don't think so. Okay, but listen, we ain't got to fuss about what culture says and society says. We don't have to, but we do know this. God makes a distinction of the way that a man's to dress and a woman's to dress. There are clothes that are for men and there are clothes that are for women, like pink aprons and pink clothes in general, in my opinion, all right? (laughs) That ain't Bible. That's just what I think about it, okay? Here's the thing. God doesn't want men to dress like women. He doesn't want women to dress like men. Plain and simple. So clothing identifies your gender. Matter of fact, I could go look at the silhouette on a bathroom on a bathroom door in most public places, and the silhouette alone would tell me what is men's garments and what is women's garments. Is that right? Before my children knew how to read. I think Maggie learned how to read like nine months old, but (laughs) that girl loves to read. But before they knew how to read, they knew which one was the boy's bathroom and the girl's bathroom by looking at the silhouette, right? Remember us going to a restaurant steakhouse one time and, um, and it didn't have the picture on it. It said bulls and heifers or something like that. I didn't say it. I didn't make the steakhouse. I didn't call y'all that. I think that's what it said, or maybe, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, but it didn't have pictures on it, and uh, they and they didn't know what to do because they couldn't read, and, and, and they couldn't, they didn't know the difference in different cows because we don't have cows except in the freezer, and and, uh, and they didn't know, but the picture showed, and all I'm saying this, all I'm saying is this, we're not going to get in that fuss tonight. You ain't going to get me in that corner tonight. Now, we could talk about it probably if you'd like to, but I'm talking about what does the Bible say? The Bible says there's a difference in men's clothing and women's clothing. And it's amazing to me in the generation we live in, if a man dresses like a woman, boy, everybody goes up and on, and they should. But they've been women running around looking like men for a long time, and nobody will say nothing. And I'm going to say something tonight. Just like I don't want some drag queen reading stories to the kindergartners in the school, or the first graders, second grade, or the twelfth graders, or anybody in the school, Hey, no butch-looking man, woman ought to be looking, coming in there reading a story to the kids either. Amen. That's exactly right. A, a woman who dresses like a man, portrays herself like a man, hey, she ought not be teaching our kids nothing either. 
Amen. And that's right. If it's right for the men not to do it for the women, it's right for the women not to. And here's the verse that says it. All right? And there, that is, that is, uh, that is, you say, you've said that a lot here lately. Well, it's in my crawl, okay? Because I can't believe it's happening. I can't believe it's happening around here. Uh, but I, I, I don't know why I don't believe that because we've got lost people in, in corrupt government leading things. So here's what he says. So we've got to, to cover nakedness, to identify gender distinction. What about this? To enhance our appearance. God gave clothing. I'm not going to make you flip back there, but in Exodus chapter 28, verse number 2, he says that priestly garment was for glory and for beauty. In Exodus chapter or Ezekiel chapter 16, there's some figurative language there God uses, but he notes the fact that he is decking Israel with beautiful garments and jewels to make them beautiful. God wants you to look good. He don't want you to look like some crazy something. That's why my least favorite day in spirit week at most schools is wacky day. That's just, I think it's against the Bible. <laughs> I mean, looking like a mess. I mean, looking crazy. And so God wants our clothing to enhance our appearance. Now, watch this. There's an unhealthy extreme, isn't there? But clothing and jewels can be used to make us look nice. Hey, y'all, it ain't a sin to look nice, right? I mean, I know you go to Walmart. I mean, stink. you ain't got to go to Walmart now. You go to a lot of places. People walk around in their PJs. Not put together. I mean, I was at a basketball tournament Friday night, and I had to do a double take because there was somebody walking around in PJs. I'm thinking, you out in public. What are you doing? I wouldn't go out in my front yard like that. <laughs> and so a clothing is to enhance our appearance. Now, listen, I, there may be some other things that we could say about the purpose of clothing, but I think that covers the cover of nakedness, the identity of identifying gender distinction, enhancing our appearance. But what are the what are some principles that need to be applied here? Most people like to deal with lines. They they want some boundary. And many they want to know where the line is so they can get as close to it as possible. I don't think that we all be the Christian. The Christian ought to live. The Christian ought, ought not to find the line and try to live as close to it as they I can picture. Can y'all picture it? Y'all knew Brother Samuel well. Y'all remember Brother Samuel? Brother Samuel would get somebody up running. Y'all, he's done it here. I think he's had you do it in here. And he'd say, hey. He said, if you're just going to run a race. He said, you're just going to run as fast as you can down that middle. And he'd get somebody to run down as fast as they can run fast. He said, did you notice that they wasn't over here on the edge? They wasn't riding the edge when they was running. They got right down the middle and they got away from the edge. Y'all remember him saying that? And that's true, isn't it? When you're running a race, you don't bump up on the edge. You get in the middle and run that thing. Well, how, why? And this is what he'd say. He said, why is it that Christians want to live so close to the edge? And I wonder the same thing. Why is it we want lines and we want to say, well, I just wonder, wonder how far, how close I can get that line. I just wonder how close I can get to it. There's lines given not to see how close we can get to it. But there's some principles applied to our life that we need to make sure we stay clear of that we're, and now watch this, now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. This ain't the school. At the school, we got inch rules and you know, three finger lengths and widths and all this kind of stuff, and that's right for the school. But this ain't school, y'all. And I'm not trying to be a dictator. 
But listen to me. We're not getting the ruler out when you walk in the foyer. And it's Sunday night. It's, it's our folks, okay? We're not, we're not hollering at nobody about nothing. We ain't going to kick nobody out. But listen, the Bible says this. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, when we dealt with all that liberty, when we dealt with liberty, those two Sunday nights we dealt with, what does the Bible say about liberty? Here's one of the verses we talked about was, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. There's some things that may not be against the rules of the Bible. It's just not good for you to be doing, right? Okay, well, he said the torso, so I'm going to try to keep my sleeve as really close to my shoulder so I can. All right, well, it's that loin and thighs. I'm going to keep it really close to my knees. Just really make sure we get that. And watch this. It's not just about covering. It's concealing those things as well. Some of you may cover it, but is it so tight it ain't concealing it? It's just as wrong, right? And so he said this. There's some, and listen, here's what we got to ask the question. Just because you can wear it doesn't mean you should. And just because it's not classified as bad does not automatically classify it as the best. Here's the thing. This is the issue of our heart. I said it earlier, and y'all agree with me. See if you do now. The way you dress is the exposure of what's in your heart. I said it like this earlier. How you dress is how you want people to think you are or how you really are. It's an exposure of our heart. It's an outward exposure of what's on the inside. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. Let's go there quickly. We're almost done. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. This is... When I was going through the book of 1 Timothy on Wednesday night, this was the first time I dealt with this subject. And here's the thing. You say, why are you dealing with this tonight? It's in the line of what we've been dealing with. We dealt with adultery, uh, uh, divorce and remarried, purity, and now we're in modesty. It's just the line uh, that we're in. First Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 9. Look what it says. <clears throat> in like manner also... That women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Notice here that Paul connects apparel to virtues of the heart. He connects, he connects this woman's clothing with humility, sobriety, and godliness. Uh, women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Let's, this word apparel. Now the word apparel signifies a long robe. And literally it, it's a long robe that reaches to the feet. The word modest signifies clean, neat, and decent. I've seen people in apparel that were not modest. Right? And I've seen people modest but not in apparel. <laughs> He says modest apparel. It ought to be clean, neat, decent, and a long robe. And so he says this. It ought to be, and this is what, this is John Gill. John Gill pastored the Metropolitan Tabernacle before Charles Spurgeon did. And this is what he said about it. He said, as modest signifies that which is clean, neat, and decent, yea, beautiful and ornamental. He said the sense of the apostle is that he would not have them to come to public worship in rags and in dirty, filthy garments, but that their bodies should be covered with clean and decent raiment. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about how to act in church. 
We ought to have clean, decent raiment that covers and conceals the body. First Peter, there, this will be the last place I think we'll go in the Bible. First Peter chapter number 3. First Peter chapter 3 is the last place I'll ask you to turn tonight. So in First in Timothy, you see the connection between that humility, sobriety, and godliness with the apparel. And, and listen, listen, listen. That doesn't mean you've got to wear a three-piece suit everywhere you go, right? Uh, that doesn't mean you've got to have a ball gown on everywhere you go, right? But you ought to be put together, right? You ought to be neat and clean and decent, and you ought to be covering and concealing everywhere you go. Now, 1 Peter 3, verse 1 through 5 says, Likewise, you wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not, in, not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. So he's talking about this wife who is saved. How can she reach her unsaved husband? Is living a life in front of him that is uh, pleasing to the Lord. Be in subjection. And it says, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corrupt even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection of their own husbands. And here's what he says. Now this is where people take this verse out of context a lot. I've had people tell me that this verse tells the women you're not supposed to braid your hair. And then they say yep and women ain't supposed to plait their hair and they ain't supposed to wear gold. And I said or wear clothes. No, that ain't what it says. No, that is what it says. If, if the Bible right here is forbidding women to braid their hair and wear gold, then the next thing says, or putting on of apparel. And that ain't what he's saying, right? We know that's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. As you put, put your hair up. And, and girls, do your hair up. Do your hair up. That's fine. You know, pretty it up, whatever. I like my wife's hair to look good, you know. We try to be, you look pretty the way it goes. Well, not really. I mean, like when you wake up in the morning, you need to brush that stuff, okay? I mean, I love you and everything. We're still married, but go brush your hair, you know? <laughs> right? Uh, and so, so do your hair up. That's good. Wear your little jewelry. That's fine. That's good. But watch this. and Put on your nice clothes. But if that's all you got, you ain't, you ain't really much. Because anybody can do their hair, put on a little cake up, put on a little jewelry, put on their clothes, everybody can do that. I mean, they do that with mannequins, right? Go to the store, them things, I mean, they dress to the T. Man, look at that. But they're just hollow on the inside. Here's what he's saying. He is, he is saying this. Here's what, he, what the Bible's saying. What are you putting emphasis on? And this is, this is directly to women. And sorry, I didn't write the New Testament, but can I, can I say that goes for us men too? What are you putting emphasis on? Are you putting an emphasis on you looking good on the outside, but you're so bad on the inside? Listen, there is a way that tells the world that you're rebellious against authority, isn't there? There's a way. I looked up this because I started thinking about it today. You know, now we're fighting this generation of boys. Here's what we've been fighting for about 15 years now is the skinny jean movement. It started when I was in high school. And in high school, we had this boy, he, he had long hair, 
He had earrings, and he wore flip-flops every day. You can say what you want to about him. And he's from Texas, and he didn't have horns. But anyway, he shopped in the girl section and bought girl mud jeans, M-U-D-D jeans, and wore, wore girl blue jeans to school. And man, we made fun of him. But that was the start of the skinny jean trend. And now, just because it's sold in the boys' section, boys, that is, not only, I, I don't know, I ain't, that's just nasty, okay? And uh, I don't know, anyway. But right before that, some of y'all remember this. Y'all remember the Jinko jean age? The gen, I looked them up just a minute ago. I Googled them before I came over here because I, I was like, I wonder if I still sell Jinko jeans. And them, and them kids wore them Jinko jeans. My cousin, this does not mean anything good. My cousin used to wear them all the time. And I thought they were so cool. But they was this big. Y'all remember? The legs on them was this big. I mean, they was like, they'd walk down the hall and it looked like they got parachutes on. I mean, blue jeans. And, uh, and you had the like fringe kids who were like, wasn't sure what they were. They wore the blue jean color ones. But then if you knew to know that you were an anarchist, you were a rebel, you wore the black ones with a bunch of pockets and a bunch of chains on them. I remember, I remember being at the Dalton Mall and going to the Dalton Mall and seeing kids with Jinko jeans on. And you could, you could tell the difference. And watch it. But if you saw them, the way they dressed said that they were anarchy. They were, they were against authority. And then big old bag. And I thought, man, I don't know. I'd rather my kids be wearing Jinko blue jeans than a bunch of skinny jeans, I think. I don't know. Not the black ones with the chains on them, but y'all know what I'm saying. Uh, MC Hammer pants. Y'all remember them in the 80s? Uh, that's a little bit more modest than these skinny jeans these boys are wearing. Anyway, just like, but, but you saw those kids. A lot of times those kids have them chains on. They'd have these big A's with the, the circle through it, anarchists. We had a guy the other day at the coffee shop hand me, his, hand me the coffee and had black fingernails on. And, uh, and there was two things I thought. I just thought, but he's, and I don't even know if this is a thing anymore, he's gothic, emo, or he's a sodomite. Maybe both, right? There's just clothing, right? Uh, there's clothing that a harlot would wear, right? Look at a cartoon. If they're going to portray some kind of promiscuous woman, they, she's dressed a certain way. And what I'm saying is, there, are, there is a dress that tells the world that I'm rebellious against authority. And so here, here's what we've got to look at tonight. The purpose of clothing, as we've mentioned tonight, we've got to run them through what, what some would call the best test. The best test. Like, what best covers my nakedness? What best identifies my gender what best enhances my appearance in a godly manner you know the bible says that everything we do i mean any anything from eating to drinking and on up it ought to be done for the glory of god so you ought to ask can i wear this for the glory of god does this give god glory so here's 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 what you've got to ask the question when you when you put clothes on what am I trying to accomplish by wearing this? If I was to go out today and run a marathon, y'all know what a marathon is, 26 miles. Don't laugh too hard. I'm not doing it. But if I did, and I showed up to the race 
And I had my football cleats on. I dug them out of my trunk. I got, I got my football cleats on. I got my football breeches on with my knee pads and my thigh pads and my hip pads. got my shoulder pads on. I got my helmet on. And I showed up to the marathon race. Do you think I'm dressed to run that race? No. They'd say, what does this dude think this is? The Halloween 5K? <laughs> I'm not dressed to run. What are you trying to accomplish today? Well, if I got football gear on, I'm accomplishing knocking somebody out. <laughs> right? Well, there's a certain garment you wear to play certain sports. What are you trying to accomplish with your dress when you go out? Are you trying to attract attention? Are you trying to attract the wrong kind of attention? So there are some, there's purpose to clothe, there's principles, but then um, there are some practices that need to be adjusted. And I'm done. Here's what we've got to ask ourselves as we close out tonight. You've got to ask yourself personally. Are there things that we need to adjust in our personal lives? And only you can answer that. See, here's the thing. You know what you desire you desire some of the same things I desire. Just tell me what to do. Right? We thrive for that. People are, are driven by, if we just have a preacher giving me the inches and, and, uh, and the hemline and the hairline, if I can get all these, just give me the rules, give me the rules, give me the rules. And, 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 and we, if we can get that, and here's what we'll, we'll follow it until the next leader tells us there's some different rules. Right? And, and as long as you're here, you'll do these things, but then you go somewhere else, you're going to do what they say and what they say and what they say and what they say. Here's, thing, here's, why, here's why we do that. Here's why we're driven to that. It's easier to just blindly follow somebody else than to seek the will of the Lord for yourself. It's easier for to say, well, I'm wearing this because the preacher said I'm supposed to. Or I'm wearing this because I go over there white graves. You know, they have a big cult over there. I, no, see, what, what I want you to do, what I want you to do is get filled with the Spirit of God. Get your Bible. Get along with God. Maybe go to your physical closet. Pray over it. Ask the Lord, is this pleasing to you? Lord, is this what I ought to be wearing? Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost of God. Here's the thing, I'm not the Lord over God's heritage. I'm going to preach this Bible without apology. I'm going to encourage you to live right. I'm going to pattern it before you as best as I know how. I'm going to deal with open, unrepentant sin in the church, but I will not dictate every part of your life. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to show up at your house, look through your closet. I'm not going to show up at your house and rebuke you. Now, if it's open sin, it's different, but I'm talking about this matter here. But watch this. Because all that does is stunt real Christian growth. If all we do is have some ushers in the front measuring as you walk in the door, all, if all we do is have, have, have spies out there watching you as you live your life, that is stunning real Christian growth. You can't be a Christian like that. So, again, that's why cults grow so fast because they say, well, I can follow a man giving me some rules better than I can follow God. Here's the thing, because getting along with God and seeking the will of God ain't easy. It takes some humility. It takes some getting along with God. It takes shutting off the world for a while. Because here's the thing. At some point, you've got to personally decide 
to put into practice Bible principles in your life. At some point, you've got to decide, I'm going to be a doer of his word, not just a hearer of his word. And so I want to invite you tonight as we have looked at the purpose of clothing and, and we've looked at the, uh, the purpose of clothing, we've looked at the principles that need to be applied, but then now we're looking at the practices that maybe need to be adjusted. I don't know, everybody's life in here is different. I want you to invite you to, to get with God about this thing and give God your heart and your body. And let him. So I'll give you the principles that he's given. But you're not going to find a, a how, how, how short is too short. And how long is too long enough. And I, you see the principle. That the torso. The loins and the thighs are to be covered. And if not they're naked. Give God your heart. And give God your body. Now let me say this. I'm done. Without rules and common standards, things get out of order and chaotic. That's true about everything, right? It's not legalistic to set church standards for members and people that hold position. That's not. I mean, think about this. What if we didn't have a set time to start? Now, don't ask me if we get to start on time. But if, what if we just said, show up when you want to? Now, some of y'all do that. But uh, what if we just said, show up when you want to? Right? If we didn't have a set time, it'd be chaotic, wouldn't it? We set community standards in our church to keep things in order in our church. Listen, I'm not the dictator, but I've got to give an account for how this church operates things around here. And so as I asked when I first took the church over 10 years ago, there's just a couple of things that I have as a standard for a church, right? For our church. I'm not going to follow you around your house. I'm not going to follow you to your job. I'm going to be sending spies out to take pictures and send them back to me. Matter of fact, if somebody was doing that, they're a creep, weirdo, we'd probably church them. <laughs> I mean, that's weird, right? But here's what I want to say. Here, on this church property, no matter what we're doing, and I'm not saying I have a problem. I'm not preaching this because I have a problem. I'm not preaching this because I've seen anything. I'm preaching this because this is a line in which I wrote this stuff down. <laughs> I'm not, don't act like I'm super spiritual. I ain't. I'm preaching this because months, a year ago, when God told me to start planning and preaching this out, I, this was next, okay? So what I would say is, ladies, we ought to have modest dresses on. What does that mean? Our torso, our loins, and our thighs ought to be covered here at the church, right? We ought to have modest dresses on. It ought to be, it's, I, because I believe it is best at covering nakedness and identifying gender. Covering and concealing nakedness. Men, we again ought to have the torso to knees. Neck to knee is kind of the policy. It's the easiest thing to remember, neck to knee. Having that concealed and covered. Having it covered. Now, we'll have higher standards for positions here. Higher standards for Sunday school teachers. Higher standards for preaching in the pulpit. Higher standards for stuff like that. But I'm not giving that to all y'all. Because all y'all ain't preaching in the pulpit. All of you ain't doing it. But I want to say that's just our standard here on the property. That's just a boundary we put up to protect things here, okay? And so here's what I want to invite you to do tonight as we give the invitation. Brother Tim, if you come play softly. I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you whether you pray in your seat or in the altar. It's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not the point. I'm not trying to draw to the altar. It's wherever you feel comfortable praying. But I want you to pray and ask the Lord to search your heart about this matter of clothing. 
As I go back to the question we asked earlier, the question is always asked, does God really care what I wear? And we answered that question with a yes, and the reason we know that he cares is because he says something about it in his word. Now in 10 years and 4 months, out of over 1,500 sermons, here's message number 2 on this subject. And that, in percentage wise, God talked about it a lot more than two times out of 1,500 times. But it's not the main message of the text. It's not the main message of the Bible and all that kind of stuff. But it does matter because God put it in there. And if you're a female or a male, I think all of us need to pray and ask the Lord. Is he pleased with my garments? Not necessarily what you have on right now. I don't see, I'm not scanning the crowd to find out if anything, but I don't think anybody's wrong today. But what about tomorrow when you go out? Well, wherever you go out to. What about two weeks from now? What about if it's not the Sunday after the message that was preached on modesty? What if it's just a regular day? And ask the Lord, am I pleasing you with what I have on? I would invite you to pray, every one of us, to pray. Ask the Lord to seek us, to search our hearts tonight.